0: It's a summertime tradition, when kids all over pick bouquets of beautiful yellow dandelions, and mom and dad smile and nod at the kind gesture. (laughs) That's because, in a child's eye, they look just like all the other flowers blooming, not the weed we've come to know. And most of us have gone to great lengths to rid our yards or fields of these pests. I don't know
1: about you, when I see weeds, in my field, the first thing I want to go and say is not in my field.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp. Here we hope you'll find answers to some of life's everyday struggles. You can learn more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. People are a lot like flowers and weeds. It can be hard to distinguish those who have good hearts from those who know how to put on a good appearance. And that's why Jesus used a parable about wheat and tares to illustrate how good and evil are allowed to coexist in this world. This week, Charles Tapp continues his series, Keys to the Kingdom, with his message, Not in My Field.
1: So as we begin to continue to examine these parables of the kingdom in Matthew chapter 13, we do so so that we can gain a better understanding of the nature of what the building of God's kingdom in my life should really be about. So today our journey takes us to what is probably one of the most familiar and well-known parables in all of Scripture. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to verse 30, we have this parable. Let's take a look at it here. Matthew 13, verses 24 to to verse 30. Look at what it says. Another parable he put forth. It's just talking about Jesus to them saying, the kingdom of heaven, which is the same thing as the kingdom of God, is like a man who sowed, what kind of seed in his field? Good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced the crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? He said to them, an enemy has done this. Servants said to him, do you want us then to Go and gather them up, talking about all the tares, all the weeds. But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together, the wheat and the tares, until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. This parable follows the parable of the sower who sowed good seed. We know that the sower is God and the seed represents the word. Of God. But as we looked at that parable a couple of weeks ago, we discovered that the sower sowed indiscriminately, almost carelessly, because he sowed in places he knew the seed would never take root. And what this reveals about the kingdom of God is that God has a huge heart. Because although he sold where he knew they would never take root, he did that because of his love for them. God loves us so much, he came and died for all of us, knowing full well most of us would never serve him. For he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should have what? Everlasting life. You see, you and I, We would be choosing if we were sowers, we would sow only in in soil that we knew was good, that we knew would take root because we will be thinking about what we would benefit from it. But God was not thinking about what he would get out of it. He would think he was thinking about what we would get out of it. That's what I call love. And the kingdom of God is all about love. Yes, it's about rulership, but it's rulership in the context of the unmatchless love of God. So as we look at this parable of the wheat and the tares, Jesus does the very same thing he did when he shared the parable of the sword. He gives us and he gave them the meaning or the explanation behind the parable. As I told you a couple of weeks ago, I didn't like that and I still don't. I want to work it out for myself, but Jesus gives them the explanation. Look at, again, Matthew chapter 13. This time we'll be looking at verses 36 and all. Look at what it says. Then Jesus sent the multitude away. And went into the house. And his disciples came to him, saying, Explain to us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is what? The Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares, look at this, are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sold them is the devil, the harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, it will be at the end of this age. The son of man will send out his angels, And they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness. Verse 42. And I then will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be what? Wailing and gnashing of teeth. After Jesus sent the multitude away, then the disciples said, Jesus, give us this explanation as to what this parable is. And Jesus says, you heard of the sower? That's the son of man. And he is sowing the seeds, which represents the word of God. But then he says something interesting. He says, the field is the world. Now, there are many commentators and many theologians who say here that when Jesus is talking about the world, that he is not talking about the church. And I disagree with that. For this reason, for in the Greek language, there are two words for world. There is the word cosmos, which we are sure most of us are familiar with, but that represents the physical world. But then there's the word ion. And in talking about the world, it's not talking about the physical world as much as it is talking about the ideology or the culture in which that world exists. So in Romans chapter 12, and verse two, when Paul says, and be not conformed to this world, it's not cosmos, physical world, but it's the word for the culture. Don't be conformed to the culture of this age. But when he's talking about the world here, it's not the word ion, it's cosmos, the physical world. And the last time I looked, the church is part of the physical world, is it not? Didn't Jesus himself say what? Be in the world, but what? Not of the world. So world here is not exclusive to the church, but it does include the church. And in verses 38 and 39, Jesus gives a startling revelation here. He says, the one responsible for sowing seeds of tares is the devil himself. And in Matthew 13, verse 28, he calls them out. He says, an enemy has done this. And here's a point that we as as Christians, as children of God, need to be very clear. God is not the source of evil in this world. Is that clear? Because sometimes I wonder when I talk to some Christians. God is not the source of evil in this world. Jesus says an enemy has done this. Isn't it interesting that whenever we experience some kind of catastrophic event, like a tornado or a hurricane or a flood, many in the culture will refer to those as what? Acts of God. But then when God blesses, well, that's just a coincidence. Listen. Those things are not acts of God. When a child is walking across the street and gets hit by a car, that's not an act of God. Jesus made it clear that the evil that exists in this world is not from the hand of God. Whatever evil it might be, but let's be clear on this point today. An enemy has done this, and I believe in giving someone the credit that is due to them today. What do you say? An enemy has done this. All of my years of gardening, though, there's one thing I have yet to figure out. Maybe you can help me. Where do weeds come from? I just want to know. I've been gardening since I was a kid. My mom got me into gardening. But I never understood where weeds come from. It doesn't matter how selective I am about the plants that I purchase. It doesn't matter all the enrichment I do to the soil to fertilize it. It doesn't matter how meticulously I water them on a regular basis. Lo and behold, weeds pop up. Sometimes it appears that those of these weeds are more abundant than the flowers. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Listen, I've never gone to a gardening store and said, <clears throat> "Can you tell me what section the weed seeds are in?" But lo and behold, whenever I plant my marigolds, my salvias, all the rest, these little things just pop up out of nowhere. I've discovered that when you pull them up, you better pull them up by the root. Because if you don't get a weed by the root, you wait a couple of weeks, it's going to be right back there. But here's what's interesting about this parable that Jesus is sharing. He says, don't pull the weeds The weeds out. Leave them there. Then he really says something strange. He said, because in attempting to pull out the weeds, you may inadvertently pull out wheat. And the weed that Jesus is referring to here in this parable, many believe is the weed called Darnell. And the reason why Jesus says don't try to pull them out is because if you know anything about this particular weed, you can Google it when you get a chance. Put it side by side with the wheat plant it looks almost like wheat. You cannot tell them apart until the harvest. And by harvest, those of you who have done any gardening, any farming know, you don't harvest something until it has reached a state of what? Maturity. So Jesus said, don't try to pull them out until they reach a state of maturity. And I thought about that. Why is that the case? So I researched this. When a wheat plant reaches a state of maturity, it begins to flower at the top, where the darnel, the weed, does not. And it is only when it reaches this stage of maturity that you and I can look at it with the naked eye and go, that's a weed and that's wheat. The other thing about this weed, darnel, is that it is poisonous. And it has the opportunity and the potential to contaminate the wheat that is there. But in spite of that, Jesus still says, do not touch it until the time of the harvest. Now, if the wheat in this parable represents the children of the kingdom. And the tares represent the children of the wicked. Please don't miss this. Because he's talking about the kingdom of God. And this is what Jesus is saying. That in this aspect of the kingdom in which you and I are now living, evil will always live side by side with good in this life. In other words, he's saying, until I return and my kingdom comes in its fullness, Evil will always coexist with that which is good. And I don't know about you, when I see weeds in my field, the first thing I want to go and say is not in my field, but Jesus here is saying the contrary. He's saying in this world, even the church, because the church is in the world, you are going to have weeds. Because weeds look like wheat. You've got weeds that walk like wheat. Weeds that talk like wheat. Weeds that go to church just like wheat. Weeds that serve in the church just like wheat serves in the church. But Jesus says, don't touch them. Because as long as you live in this life, you will have weeds. And that's the way I want it to be.
0: You're listening to Simple Truths for Life with Charles Tapp and his message, Not in My Field. And if you're enjoying this message or you'd like to find others like it, you can find out more by visiting simpletruthsforlife.org. We'll conclude with the rest of his message right after this.
2: Jesus came here for you. No matter what your skin color is. Jesus came here for you if you're Republican, Democrat, neutral, don't know or don't care or any political party jesus came for the far left and the far right or if you're somewhere in between jesus came for the person who cut you off in traffic jesus came for the homeless the poor the middle class and the rich jesus came for love love jesus came for you and for all his children we're here to remind you of that wgts 91.9 always encouraging and 88.3
0: on the eastern shore this is simple truths for life And if you've ever asked why God allows evil to exist, well, there's a story Jesus told that brings understanding to how we deal with our current reality and to the kingdom he's preparing for us in the next life. Charles Tapp asks what your response
1: will be with his message, Not In My Field. I don't know about you, but whenever I see evil played out on the television screen, when I'm watching the news, the first thing I want to do is reach in that screen just pull it out, just pluck it out. See, we think and those of old thought that when the kingdom of God would be ushered in initially that the Messiah would come and and, and get rid of all this evil. And when it didn't happen, they missed who Christ was because they didn't understand that the kingdom was like a mustard seed. It would be small and tiny, obscure, but it would have a greater impact down the road. And many of us today lose our faith in God because we see all this evil. And we're going, if God is good, why is there all this evil? He already told us. Because in this age of the kingdom, evil is going to have to coexist with good. And I don't want you to act like me and think it's your business to pull it out because here's the dilemma we find ourselves in until the harvest until we reach the time of maturity the coming of the kingdom with god when he comes in all of his glory we will never talking about you and me we will never be able to discern clearly what is a weed and what is weak. Amen. that's why Jesus said, before you try to pull the speck out of your brother's eye, you better get that beam out of your own eye because life, although we might want it to be, is not black and white. You cannot see everything for what it always is. Look at what the great preacher Charles Spurgeon had to say on this matter. It's on your sheet, being able to see something for what it really is is not a matter of simply telling the difference between right and wrong, black and white. We can get that. He says, rather, it is telling the difference between right and almost right. You see, we can go, that's right and that's wrong. But God can go, that's right, that's almost right. We can't do that. That's why among the 12 disciples, there could be a Judas. Some of you will get that on the way home. <laughs> because the other 11 disciples thought he was wheat. He was not. He was a tare. And he was poisonous. But because he looked like wheat, walked like wheat, worshipped like wheat, they thought he was wheat. But he wasn't wheat. Only Jesus knew He was a tear, And that's why Jesus said to him, what you're planning to do, go do it quickly. Get it over with, because I know you're not wheat. I know you're a tear. Tares live among the wheat for the most part. Walk like wheat, talk like wheat, attend church like wheat. Paul described it this way. He says they have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. In other words, they resemble those who are spirit-filled, but in the end, they don't have any fruit. And Jesus says, leave them alone. Leave them to me, because you may see them as tares. Please don't miss this. But I know in their hearts, they're wheat, because that's where the kingdom of God takes root. It takes root In our hearts not always visible to the naked eye and you and I if we think it's our business to go around and start plucking up tears we may pull off some wheat. only can the heart reveal the difference between wheat and tears and here's another thing I need to lay on you today but Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked does it not which means then we don't even know our own hearts some of us look in the mirror and we think we're looking at wheat. And there's a tear looking back at us. Because the kingdom of God is all about the heart. Jesus says, leave them alone until they mature. And then I will be the one who decides who's weak, who's He ends it by saying this, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus isn't admonishing here simply for us to engage in the physical, audible aspect of hearing, because it involves something much more than that. The hearing that Jesus is talking about here involves the deliberation, careful deliberation on our part when you and I are confronted with truth, when you or I are confronted to what's right. And as I was writing this message, I thought about it. When you look at the hearing that Jesus is talking about, there are really three stages to it. And the first, I call it reception. Reception. That means we receive the truth of God's word. And hearing doesn't always mean through your ears. You can hear through your eyes when you read the word of God. Amen. The second stage of hearing is consideration. Now that I have taken it in, it's up to me now to deliberate on what I've heard, to consider it. But then here's the stage that many miss. I call this stage responding appropriately, because once I take the word in and hear it, once I consider it and deliberate on it, if I don't respond appropriately, then the word has not taken root in my life. And as I said a couple of weeks ago, if there's no root, there's no fruit. And hearing is paramount when it comes to our walk with God. Hearing is how you and I develop our faith. It's how we obtain our salvation. For Paul said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And although Jesus doesn't come out and say it here, this is what I hear him saying. Here's the difference between wheat and tear, it's this last stage: responding appropriately. And because the response to God's word doesn't always come first through a visible action, you and I, most times will never see it in the lives of people. That's why Jesus says, "Keep your hands off of those people that you think are tears." Because you may be pulling up wheat. So what is the response for us today? As the church, here's what it's not. It's not to possess a spirit of condemnation, a spirit of looking around trying to find some tears. Oh, there's a tear. Got to get rid of that one. Oh, there's another tear. Got to get rid of that one. That's not the response that God's want. He says, listen, listen. Tares and wheat are going to live together. Keep your hands off of them because you may be pulling up wheat. So then what is my response? What is the purpose besides letting us know that evil and good are going to exist until Christ comes? Here it is. Here's the takeaway. It is not a spirit of condemnation that God wants us to have. It is a spirit of of introspection that God wants for us to have. In other words, my business, your business is not to be looking around to see who's a tear. My business, your business is to look at our own hearts and ask God, am I a tear or am I a wheat? That's the primary message of this parable. Jesus is saying, I've got the tears. You don't worry about that. But just make sure when you look in the mirror, you're looking at wheat. Have you received the word? Have you deliberated on the word? Has it taken root? And have you responded appropriately to the word of God? Or do you do like many people? You know, we study God's word. We study it, you know, to to get some information. We study it so I can show that I'm right, you're wrong. But until we study the word of God to build our faith, until we meditate on the word of God, we may think we're weak when actuality we are tares and we will never know until Christ comes. That's why he says, listen, there are going to be those in the kingdom that never thought they would have been there. They thought they were tares. And God says, listen, I was working in your heart. It, my word took root. Nobody could see it, but there was a transformation going on in your life. But those of us who walk around with our Bibles and we do everything religiously that we're supposed to do, we're, we're, we just know, I'm weak, I'm weak. Introspection is what Jesus is calling for. I've got to look at my heart and you've got to look at your heart. And we've got to ask ourselves the hard question. Listen, am I weak or am I tares? Because they look so much alike. So stop trying to get the speck out of your brother's eye. Pull out the beam in your own eye. Because as long as we live in this age of the kingdom, evil and good are going to have to live side by side. You just make sure, and I need to make sure, that I'm not some poisonous weed, but that I'm actually a part of the kingdom of God. Because as I said at the beginning of this series, if I want to be part of the kingdom of God, then... It means i've got to be part of the kingdom of god now where nobody sees what's going on at first but it's god's word taking root in my heart is that your prayer today i know it's mine because with no root there is no fruit
0: you've been listening to simple truths for life with charles tapp and his message not in my field And if you want to listen again or share it with someone, you can find these messages on platforms like Apple Podcasts and now also on Spotify. Or visit us online at simpletruthsforlife.org.
1: Now here's what we're working on for next week. To become part of the kingdom of God is not for one select
0: group of people. Next week, we hope you can plan to listen in again as Charles Tapp concludes his series, Keys to the Kingdom, with part five, Dragnet. Well, thanks for listening, and we hope you'll plan to join us again next week
2: for more Simple Truths for Life. Jesus came here for you. No matter what your skin color is. Jesus came here for you if you're Republican, Democrat, neutral, don't know or don't care or Any political party. Jesus came for the far left and the far right. Or if you're somewhere in between. Jesus came for the person who cut you off in traffic. Jesus came for the homeless, the poor, the middle class, and the rich. Jesus came for love. Love. Jesus came for you and for all his children. We're here to remind you of that. WGTS 91.9.
1: Always encouraging. And 88.3
2: on the Eastern Shore.